eyes together. You know, I did some research and um, I looked at the Greek word for together in this scripture, and it actually uh, is a Greek word called koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Koinonia. Koinonia, yeah, it's not one of like a too terribly hard Greek word to pronounce. Sometimes your pastor asks you to say something else really hard. But koinonia is actually, it means this, it means fellowship. And the word koinonia here, that means fellowship is actually found 20 times in the Bible. That's how important being doing life together fellowship is. And you know, I, I am so excited because it's not just it's not just any fellowship. It's the fellowship of believers. And I started thinking about that. And I thought, started thinking about what's the difference between a fellowship of believers and a fellowship of another community. And I realized that when people that come together who believe that God is the source of their life, they come together and they are people of faith. They are koinonia. They have a different kind of impact to make in the world than other communities do. Because we have Jesus in our life. Because we are called to make an impact in our world as koinonia, as fellowship, the fellowship of believers, of faith. And so I'm excited about this because I really believe as I have, have thought about koinonia, as I've thought about, man, this is kind of the, this is the, this is the banner, the roadmap kind of that we have, this koinonia as believers, as people who love Jesus, they come together, who live life together, who have a special fellowship. And I was thinking about some times in my life where I feel like I've had some fairly successful community some fairly successful true friendship in my life and I was thinking about just ways that that happened and uh, what I realized over time and something that I just want to share today what I realized is it took me taking a lot of responsibility to make true friendship and authentic community happen in my life a lot of it was up to me a lot of it and so I want to start with this and I, I realized this community requires risk taking if you're not putting yourself out there, you're going nowhere. <laughs> if you don't put yourself out there, you're probably not getting very far in true friendship and authentic community. So if you guys remember in like high school and college, when you would go to the cafeteria, maybe some of you are like, yeah, I still go there. It's terrifying. So I remember like um, just going to college, I went to a two-year Bible school and got my associate's degree in Kansas, where I grew up. And then I transferred to a college in Ohio so that I could finish my last two years. Ohio, wow, I wasn't expecting that. My last two years. And I, I was so, like, I didn't know anybody. Like, my mom and dad drove me from Kansas all the way to Ohio. They gave me a hug and kiss. They left me there. And I didn't know who my roommate was going to be. I was a junior. I'm already supposed to have friends. But I was a transfer student, okay? Transfer student, can I hear you? Yeah, okay. So, so as a transfer student, I was there. I didn't know anybody, and I remember thinking, oh, Lord, I got to go eat. I got to go eat. I got to go to the cafeteria, and I feel like I'm standing there with a tray full of food, and I just feel naked. And so I go, I, I just decided, okay, Amrita, you got to pull your big girl pants up, and you got to go eat. Just go to the cafeteria. And so I just decided, I am going to take every day three meals a day, and I'm going to see this as an opportunity to make friends. I was going to conquer my loneliness, okay? Because I didn't know anybody at this school. And so I go to the cafeteria, and I mean, you guys, I would sit down at these tables full of people. And I'm going to like everybody else has people to sit with, okay? And I, so I go, 
don't know, like the whatever super smart people sat. I just didn't know. So I just went and I just sat with people. And I just thought, okay, I'm just going to do this. And if it's bad and it totally sucks, I'm just going to eat fast and I'm going to get out of there. And something began to happen. There were some awkward times. But I started noticing that some of the people in my class were some of the people that I ate with yesterday. And we became familiar with each other. And we started knowing each other's names and knowing about each other. And, and we, we became friends. And it happened. It happened. I'm so glad it happened. So I stuck my neck out there. I took a risk. If you're not willing to get out there, you're probably going to go nowhere. And so then I'm so excited because my senior year, I'm coming back with, with you know, a, a good group of friends. And I go back my senior year, and I made friends, I worked really hard, and I, my friend called me on my dorm room phone one time. Okay, so I am still of the age where we did not go to college with cell phones. Anybody else here with me? So I go to, and like, I got a call on my dorm room phone. Do dorms still have phones? No. No, okay. I don't know, I've been in a dorm room for a while, I don't know. So someone called me on it, so it's like, she called me on my phone, and she said, hey, Amrita, do you want to go to dinner with me? in the cafeteria, and I said, yeah, I said, love to. And um, so so we were making plans to do that, and then all of a sudden I realized that I had a, I had an evening Christian ethics class at Florida University. Evening classes are the worst, the worst. So I forgot that I had this class, so I call her on her dorm room phone, and I say, uh, hey, I'm so sorry, I can't go to dinner with you tonight because of class, and I forgot that I had class. And uh, she, her response really shocked and she said, uh, okay, well, like, I guess I just won't eat. And I'm like, no, go, go eat, it's fine, I'll just eat later, it's fine. No, she goes, she goes, no, you don't get it. She goes, I don't ever go to the cafeteria by myself. Oh. And this was, this was not a transfer student. This was a certain student who started freshman year and was ending senior year and had a million friends in between. And she said, and I said, I'm sorry, what? And she goes, I heard that I've never gone to the cafeteria by myself in four years. I wouldn't be caught dead going there. It's terrifying. And in my head, I was just like, are you kidding me? I spent all those meals miserable, just trying to make friends, eating together. You know, I didn't say that to her. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Okay, so here's the thing, you guys. One, I was shocked because she had never gone to the cafeteria by herself, having been at this school for four years. And two, I was like, I'm sorry. Did you just say you're not going to eat? Because if you get anything from this sermon, you're going to realize that Amrita loves food more than friendship. We <laughs> got to eat. We have to eat. Okay, so I was like, listen, I'm like, she's not going to eat. What? Like, I have to eat. You know, I ain't on no starch diet. Okay? <laughs> I have no starch diet. I like meat. I like food. My husband, for those of you maybe that are new, uh, my husband is, has been on a diet where he eats about 90% starches. Okay, so he's into all the documentaries, he's learning, he's being healthy. So every, so I make meals where I make an entree full of meat and an entree full of starches every week. And so I was just like, I know I should not eat. But I realized that to be really, if we're all really honest with each other, we all face the fears that my friend had, that I had. We all face the intimidation of building the true friendship and authentic community we actually really long for. And I, I wonder if some of you are asking the question, why does it feel like everyone else has community but I don't? Is that a question that 
comes to your mind often? Are you somebody who's like, how do I crack the true community code? How do I melt the freeze in my reality in this area of the world right now, in the stage of life that I'm in? You know, I know, I know what it feels like. Some of you are moms and you're, you know, you're coming in, you're coming in after a full day of work and you got a family and a husband that's waiting for you to cook. And you're like, oh my God, I do not have time to spend hours building relationship and true friendship because my life is so crazy busy. And I wonder if some of you are like a couple and you're like, you know what, we would just love a night out on the town, but we don't even have like babysitters. We don't have community. We don't, we don't know who to even call. And I wonder if some of you are just people who just say, sometimes I wish I had someone to cry with. Sometimes I just wish I had someone to lean on. And that's absent in your life and you're struggling with that. And so I, I just have to come back to this point of, are you willing to take the relational risk it's going to require to build that relationship? Are you willing to figure out what is that going to look like in my busy life, in my, to be really honest, lonely life? What is that going to look like? And I want to read a really, really, just really simple scripture that I love in Proverbs 18:24. It says this: A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I'm going to touch on both parts of this, but I think that this is really like amazing because Solomon, who was the wisest man in all of the world, actually asked God for supernatural wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. He became the most the, the, smart, the most wisest guy in the world. Most wisest, most wise guy in the world. And I think that it's really significant. I think we have to pay attention to this. I think it's really significant that of all of the wisdom that Solomon wanted to pass on to generations beyond himself, when he felt like it needed to be written down in the scriptures was, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, I really think that the reason why Solomon wrote this and God gave him this wisdom is because we as human beings who are created for human connection are actually suffering because we're not having that human connection with each other, that deep human connection. And you know, I, I want to just say this. I'm talking to the introverts in the house and the extroverts. I'm talking to all personality types. Because sometimes we say, well, it's the pastors and it's the extroverts and it's the outgoing people who should take the risk for community. But I just want to say, even if you're an introvert, maybe you're, maybe the way you stick your hat, your stick your neck out for community is a little different than the way an extrovert does. But we all must be friendly, like the scripture says, so that we might have that true friendship. You know, I, I took a little bit of a risk. Um, last weekend, I, I actually flew to Denver, Colorado for work, and I was there for the weekend, and I was flying um, back, I was, I was like thinking about how I was going to get back on Sunday morning, and I was going to land just right before I would have to like race to church and come to church, okay? So I was thinking, oh, i got to get somebody to pick me up from the airport. And I realized that everybody that I felt comfortable asking to pick me up from the airport actually had to be here at church. Because we set up this whole thing. Oh, we tear it down. I'm like, oh, my friends are here because they're good friends and they help us build a church, you know? So I'm like, who do I call to come pick me up from church? 
Joanna, I don't think it's here this morning. Joanna, are you here? No, Joanna, it's okay. I thought of my friend Joanna, who I had mentioned a couple times. She's, she lives here in Washington, and I met her here at Kalos Church, like the second week that we, we were existing. And I called, I texted her, and I'm just gonna read you the text conversation and show you what it looks like to stick your, stick your neck out just a little bit, take a little bit of a risk, okay? So I said, okay, Joanna, hey girl. I got a crazy question for you. I said, this is probably a question I should ask after knowing you longer than I have, ha ha. But I'm flying in from Denver Sunday morning and land at SeaTac at 9.15. Is there any chance you and John Andre, her very kind boyfriend, would you and John Andre be willing to pick me up from the airport and race to church? And then I did one of these emojis. We have a son. 
He's one and a half years old, and he has like giant hair, and he's very cute, very cute. And um, I, I realized that for my son, what I want him to know about my husband and I and our family is that mom and dad always made it a habit to create community. They were always putting themselves out there. They were always inviting people over for dinner. They were always going out for coffee with someone. They were always, and us kids got trips along to all these friendships my parents were making. Because here's the truth of it. My son won't remember how much money we made while he was growing up, but he will remember the people that were in our lives. He will remember. He'll remember the people that were in our house, or you'll remember, man, nobody was ever really there. We just kind of lived our own little jingle life. And I want him to see the habits that we create in our lives for friendship and true community. You know, Brittany and I, we met 10 years ago, actually this year, and we met in a church, and this is what was happening when we met. We, I, I started going to this church, and he was there, and um, I didn't know anybody at this church, and I just moved there, and I actually was going through a really difficult time in my life. And I was, I was actually deeply hurting, I was struggling, and I wanted to go to church because I loved God, and I, so I, so I started going to church, but I did this because I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I did not want to answer the question, hi, how are you? Because the truth was, I'm actually miserable, thank you. But I don't actually want to tell you why. You know, because I was just going through a hard thing. And church was a hard place to go through a hard thing. And so I would go to church and I would leave very early and I would walk in really late on purpose. And because I just, I just couldn't deal with people at the time. I struggled, I was struggling. I'm a church girl. I know the church is about pointing at fellowship, living together, okay? And so I, I was struggling. It, it's so funny. One time I was, um, I was worshiping. Like I mean, we were worship. We were deep in worship. My hands were in the air. And all of a sudden, I feel this little tap on my shoulder. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Is someone touching me? What's happening? And so I look over, and Preeman, who at the time was not my boyfriend, not really just anyone. You were just. Minnesota, and I knew that if I married Preep, and I would probably never live at home in Kansas again. 
and it was really hard for me because my whole family lives there and we still love each other and there's aunts and uncles and everybody's there, you know. And we, I was going to be the person who like married the guy not from home. And I struggled with that. And so I, I, I was like, I was like grieving. I want to marry you. I don't know though. This could be a deal breaker. Do you want to live in Kansas? How much do you love me? You know, and he said, um, he said this, he said, I'm gonna, he said, I can promise you one thing. He said, we will always have family and community around us. We will. We'll build it. We will have aunties and uncles and neighbors and friends, and we will build those people, and they will be as close as family because we will make the choice and make the habit of community in our lives. And so I made it. Loneliness is individual. 
individual therapy that addresses the thought patterns and beliefs such as low self-esteem or shame that prevent a person from connecting with others. I really want to take a second on this point here and realize that we will not create true friendship and authentic community if we're not willing to be weak with each other. Are you willing to ask for help? You know, have you been, have you ever been in a crowded room and you feel like there are all these people around me and I feel alone. I am struggling. I feel deeply, deeply alone. And I wonder what's happening for you in that moment. What are the thoughts that are going through your mind? I wonder if those thoughts for us in those moments are negative about ourselves. I wonder if in that moment, in that crowded room, we're so overcome with our own shame, we're so overcome with our own insecurity, that we cannot connect with one another. And I, I want to talk about this because I really feel like we are longing for that connection. That we try to make friends, this, listen to this, listen to this, we try to make friends, and we, um, we, we are trying to connect with someone, but we're actually just waiting for them to fail us. I can't put my guard down. I can't put my guard down when I know that you are going to reject me like the last friend rejected me, like the last friend rejected me, like the last friend rejected me. And some of you are trying to make friendship, but you're holding up that rejection, and it flies right up. And you're not, you're not sharing your weakness. You're not actually connecting with another human person who needs you to connect because they're weak too. You know what I mean? I just invite you today to see how insecurity has become an obstacle for you in building authentic community. You know, a few weeks back, I was, uh, I was struggling. And I was just kind of going through something and just the way the world was on my on me, and I just carried that. I was just frustrated and sad and struggling, and and I was like, babe, I just kind of want to tell a friend. I wanted to tell a friend that I was like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to because I don't want to be whiny. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want them to actually know my ugliness that I actually experience these things too. And Pradeepa said to me this. He said, I mean, that he said. He said, if that person came to you with the burdens that you're struggling with, what would you do? Would you feel annoyed? Would you feel like they're a burden? Would you feel like they're being whiny? What, what would you do? And, I, and, and it just clicked for me. And I thought, no way. If someone came to me with their burden and their struggle and their weakness and they asked me for help, man, I would feel honored. I would feel honored. I would feel like, wow, what a privilege that this person would open up and be real for a second. Would you respond to their weakness the way you fear they will respond to yours? I want you to think about that. I think right when you talk yourself out of being vulnerable, you know, by definition, the word vulnerable means putting yourself in harm's way. Right when you talk yourself out of putting yourself in harm's way, being weak, being vulnerable, I want you to reconsider. I want you to ask yourself, but if someone came to me with what I'm wanting to go to that person with, this is how I would love that. 
I would embrace them. I would open up my home. I would open up my heart. You know, I think this is where we're going to thaw this freeze. Is when our pride and our shame and our kind of disgust for ourselves at times is removed. We take a risk. We stick our, our necks out there. We make a choice. We make it a habit. And we're willing to be weak with each other. There's a really popular C.S. Lewis quote. I think it's up here for you. It might be. There it is. Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one. So I want to encourage us, man, as a community, as a community to take a risk. Invite someone to call me. Invite them over to your house. Would you have an honest conversation with yourself or with your spouse or with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you say, Honey, I am dealing with rejection. I'm lonely and I don't have community because I am so afraid of what happened last time. Some of us are going, Wait, I've, been, I've been there. I've been to big churches and I'm like, well, I can't connect to this church because it's too big. And then I go to a small church and I'm like, I can't connect to that church because it's too clicky. What is the problem here? Mostly me. Mostly me. So I just want to encourage you guys today. We have a we have a thing, we have a class called Crash Course, where we get to know each other. Pastor Friedman and I share our story. We listen to your story. We tell you a little bit about Halo's Church. And I want to just encourage you to, to take responsibility for community and true friendship in your life. And I want to end with my story. I want to end with um, just really how God saved my life. I was um, born in India, and I was adopted when I was three years old. And the day that I was born, I was dropped off at a missionary woman's house in the country of India. And I had I was so freshly born that when that missionary woman picked me up, I was wet all over. Because I had just been born, and I had just been dropped off. And she didn't get a name, and she didn't get a signature, nothing. There was, we didn't know anything about what happened in, in, in whatever brought that person to leave me there. And uh, the, the, the most amazing part of, I feel like, the hand of God on my life is what happened with community. Because a very sweet and awesome and fiery, fiery, fiery white couple from mid Kansas, Central Kansas, small town Kansas, had God in their hearts and wanted to adopt children in India. But here's the thing, the adoption took four years. They started when we were babies and they didn't get us. I have a, I have a sister too, she's not my mother's sister, but they started the adoption with her and it took four years. So think about when you have your baby, but you don't get to hold your baby and bring your baby home until they're four years old. That's what my mom and dad did. And not only did they, they, they stuck their neck out, but they had people coming to them saying, hey, you guys are spending all of your money on, on these girls. And in fact, the church came to them and said, this is not God's will anymore. This can't be God's will that you guys would suffer through an adoption that's taking years and you spent all of your money and you're depressed and you're struggling. But man, they made a choice. They stuck their neck out. And they did not give up. They did not bail on community. They did not run so fast. 
from the opportunity, and they had every reason to. And uh, sure enough, my four years came around, 1986, they had enough money for one plane ticket. One plane ticket. So my mom, who had never left the country before, flew to India by herself, and she she went up, she went a week early, she stayed in, she was in this hotel, she flies in, she goes to this hotel, she looks out the window and she says, I have waited four years, I have not stayed at this hotel another second. So she comes to the orphanage where my sister and I were at, and uh, she comes to this staircase, and she said, she opened up her arms and we ran into her arms. Because Jesus sets the lonely in families. Because that's who Jesus is, and that's what Koinonia, that's what fellowship is all about. And you know what? I just, I'm so thankful that Jesus saved my life through community, through true love, through true friendship. And some of you are dying for that. And you need Jesus to save your life in that way. I want to pray, and I know some of you have never accepted Jesus into your life. You're not walking a life with him, but you're like, oh, who is this Jesus that you're talking about? Because I want more of that. I know I need more of that. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us about true friendship and authentic community. And then I'm going to pray for you. If you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I want you to, all our eyes will be closed. I want you to slip up your hand quick so that I can pray for you, okay? So let's just bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you set the lonely in families. God, I thank you for the people sitting in this room right now, God, who now can feel hopeful again, that they can have friendship, that they can have community in their life. I pray, God, that you would be the source of everything that we need to create friendship and create community in our lives. Lord, I just pray a blessing over every person that no one in this room would walk alone. No family in this room would walk alone. Thank you, God, for Koinonia. Thank you for the fellowship of believers. Thank you, Jesus. And you can keep your heads 